one very specific mansplaining moment that has literally shook me to my core. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Flow podcast. Flow is an intersectional feminist group here at the University of Southern California. We'll be discussing different issues here based on our own experiences and referencing research that our members compile for us. I'm Jamie and I'm the Flow podcast director. And today I'm here with Natalia, who's the president and founder of Flow. Since this is our first episode, I'm gonna give Natalia a chance to talk about why she decided to create this organization and some of our different initiatives before getting into the rest of the episode. Hi everyone. So it's very exciting to have our first episode. A little bit about Flow. We're a new intersectional feminist organization on campus. And we're really just a new space to kind of talk about feminism in our, in our own lives and at USC and how we can have some self-reflection and hopefully our pillars of education can really add to that and help people reflect on feminism before they go out into the world to try and serve or help others. Yeah, definitely. I'm really excited to be a part of Flow and I think our podcast is going to have a big part in that mission, hopefully. So Today we're going to be talking about mansplaining, which is something I think most women have dealt with in many aspects of their life. So before we launch into our discussion, I just want to give a quick definition and a little bit of background. So the definition according to Oxford English Dictionary is when a man needlessly or condescendingly explains something to a woman that she already understands, which I feel like sums it up pretty well. And then I kind of want to talk a little bit about when this term first came into public knowledge and first began being discussed. And I actually was listening to a podcast from Stuff Mom Never Told You, which is another feminist podcast. And they talked a lot about Rebecca Solnit. And basically, she was a writer who published an essay in LA Times in 2008. And she didn't actually use the term mansplaining. She, it was titled Men Explain Things to Me. And basically, she was just talking about this phenomenon of mansplaining and kind of the damaging effects it can have on women. And kind of her main reason that she wanted to publish it is just to out to women that it's not their fault that they're belittled in their professional lives, their personal lives, and just make it something that people were more aware of. And I thought it was kind of funny. They kind of had an antidote in their podcast talking about how she had just released a book and she was at a dinner party and she got into this conversation with this guy and he kind of just, she was trying to talk about her book and he interrupted her and he started, you know, essentially mansplaining to her. He's like, oh, I just read this amazing book about this English photographer, Edward Moybridge, and he'd actually not even read it. He just had heard about it in the New York Times. And her friend that was sitting there with her kept trying to say to him, like, that's her book. That's her book. And he just wasn't listening. And finally, wow. he heard her say it. He, I think he just looked totally taken aback, didn't really know what to do. But he still didn't apologize or acknowledge what he had just done. And I think that sums it up in, you know, a nutshell what mansplaining is. So I don't know if you have any comments on that, but I think it's funny too, because I've realized just from my personal experience that men realize they've mansplained with an, when another man tells mm -hmm. them that they did, even though you're there being like, oh, you're just mansplaining to me. They're like, what? And then it of course takes another male yeah. voice for them to have a click in their head, which is incredibly frustrating. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> to that point, one of the first things I wanted to talk about was our own experiences in time or a few times that you've experienced being mansplained to you and what effect that had on you. Yeah, so I feel like it's kind of hard to because it happens so often that it's like, mm -hmm. oh, let me just pull out my like yeah. entire life examples. But I feel like definitely kind of in IR classes, it happens a lot. And especially when you talk about things that are, at least in my experience, when we talk about the military or things that are seen as more masculine, that 
men feel the need to explain to you, even though that's exactly what I'm studying in that class or in that topic, whatever, and question my opinion or view on that topic. So I've definitely have seen it a lot of just like specifically my IR classes when they talk about military as like a tool of IR or whatever the context is. So it's very interesting how just topics that are kind of seen as more masculine are automatically, oh, you are, just because you're studying about this doesn't mean you actually know what you're talking about. But one very specific mansplaining moment that has literally shook me to my core was earlier this year in January, I went to Chile on this like academic trip and someone, a, a guy, was explaining to me how to pronounce my own last name. Oh my goodness. Literally telling me, I'm, I was 20, I'm 21 right now, was telling me as if I had no idea and like needed him. Okay. But yeah, so basically my last name is Paras and P-A-R-A-Z. And there's like a similar spelling that's like Perez, that's P-E-R-E-Z. And so I don't even know how we got onto this topic, but we were on a bus ride going to our next part of our itinerary or whatever. And I think I was wearing a name tag or he saw my name somewhere and I was like, oh, he was like, how do you pronounce your name? And I'm like, oh, like I pronounce it like Natalia Paras and like that's how it's pronounced. And he's like, no, it's not. And I'm like, excuse me? And he said it's pronounced like Perez. And I'm like, no, it's pronounced Paras. Like I know how to pronounce my own last. Like I was like, I give it up. Like I started oh laughing. I couldn't believe it. And he was like, no, you're pronouncing it like the American not from the U.S., so he was telling me I was pronouncing it the American way, and I'm like, um, sir, like, absolutely not, like, this is how my family pronounces my name, like, this is how I, whatever, and so the guy who was sitting next to us, another guy kind of joins the conversation, he's like, what is happening here, because, like, I'm, what is yeah. going on, and I'm like, oh, this man is trying to explain to me how to pronounce my own last name, and then, like, the other guys, they're just, like, looking both at each other, like, what, like, what is going on, and the guy who was arguing with had to have the other man explain to him that, oh, no, this is actually how she pronounces her name. And that's correct. And I told him, I was like, this is mansplaining. You're trying to mansplain how to pronounce my own name. And it was such a, it's, it's such a ridiculous topic that you were like, what yeah. the fuck? The fact that he felt the need to ask you and correct you, like, very. <laughs> and with this, and this, like, I'm, like, describing, like, it went, like, a couple seconds, but this went on and on. Like, it was, like at least five minute conversation and I'm like this has probably been the most extreme mansplaining case where someone's telling me how to pronounce my own name and it's weird but obviously I know I'm right like a hundred like I know I'm right but yeah. there's like this of doubt that's what is happening someone is yeah. questioning like the very one of probably the things I know the most yeah your name. <laughs> so you're like okay where am I at now what so yeah that was probably the most craziest and like I felt like the most obvious example of this man trying to tell me like how to pronounce my own name and so that was just like it was very comical but I was like afterwards I was just like shook I really just had a five-minute conversation on like someone who has known me for maybe a couple days thinking that as a 20 year old woman I have been misled and he was here to show me the correct way to pronounce my name so it was it was almost like really funny in the moment but afterwards I was like what the fuck like how are Ben like this yeah no I think that's definitely really true and I think I was the same thing like when I was getting ready for this episode and I was trying to think of some of my own experiences I was like it happens so frequently especially like you said especially like as women in like politics or international relations I feel like 
and so male dominant right. that's definitely true and I think like you said one of the ones that stuck out to me was from freshman year when I was in um IR 211 for non-USC people or non-IR like one of the prereqs and it's like a intro to research for international relations majors and I we have to do like group projects and I just remember right. there was yeah I remember that. yeah yeah and so there was in like your discussion section and there was this like senior guy who put his you know 200 level prereq class off till senior year and I just remember the whole project he just dominated and like mansplained it to all of us freshmen and it's kind of just it's kind of like comical in a way because it's like yeah he probably did know a lot more but it's just it's just kind of funny to be like, he felt the need to like mansplain a, cl- a class that's like meant for freshmen like a senior. Yeah. and so it was just that's something I, I remembered and then like a more recent one was um like during you know like the election week I mm-hmm. was posting you know stories about like my views on the electoral college and like how I think it needs to kind of be you know gotten rid of or like at least like revisited and we need to like rethink this really antiquated system and this guy who I went to high school with who like I know was a conservative but you know he dm'd me about it and basically just was trying to like mansplain to me why we have the electoral college and what Uh, it's I was essentially like yes I I actually took AP government I know why we have the electoral college and like what its purpose was but I think I you know I have a educated enough view to you know believe that I think it's also your personal Instagram like sharing I guess with friends like this is something that we should take a look at and it's like yeah you weren't going after anyone like it's kind of interesting that the response is to go onto your page and like DM you and like be aggressive about like oh you're wrong yeah and then I kind of you know I kind of shut down in a way because I think um and then as soon as I shut down I was like well you know like you're not going to change my opinion I'm not going to change yours and he was right. like he was like oh well I'm just trying to have a discussion with you and it was like and I think that's the thing it's like no he wasn't he was like he didn't go into it trying to have a discussion with me and like ask like it's one thing to dm somebody be yeah. like why do you think this or like you know you know have a discussion but he was just explaining to me the history that I was already well aware of so it's like it definitely is problematic yeah. it's interesting like when that happens like say the conversation becomes heated even if it's like through dm that they'll step back and be like well i'm just like playing devil's advocate or like i'm just trying to like raise this point and it's, as you're trying to like use this power imbalance between men and women to explain your mm-hmm. point and like further making us more like reactive because yeah. you're using this like mansplaining to like it's not you're not just trying to take away from our argument but you're trying to take away from our I guess like ability to have the argument and trying mm-hmm. to make it like for me I just get angry I get so pissed off yeah so it's like now we're at a disadvantage where you're kind of arguing with a cool level head and I'm like so frustrated that you're patronizing me that it's I can't have my actual conversation the way I would like to yeah and I think especially in conversations I'm sure like a lot of women experience you know being mansplained to during the election and I think especially I think like you bringing up the idea of like the power imbalance is super important because women and especially you know like women of color had a lot more at stake in this election than men and so it's like when you're trying to have these conversations and then women are already rightfully you know upset and 
I think these things, these conversations are very emotionally in charge because, you know, there's a lot at stake and then men just kind of come in and like condescend and it really does like affect your ability to like have already like really difficult conversations. Yeah. So, yeah. I guess, okay, that kind of leads into our next discussion point, which is the consequences of being mansplained to and kind of viewing it in like a larger context. Yeah, I think I I told you before, but also um, we've had like this conversation, but the most like widespread effect I've seen is that in classes or now like in Zoom or in club meetings, when women have really good ideas or answer the question correctly, it's always followed with, or I don't know, something like that, or like some way to like dumb down the response, even if it was perfectly eloquent in every way. That's something I've seen. It's like the seed of self-doubt that no matter how well you know a topic, there's this, I don't know, feeling that you're just not right. And Mm -hmm. at least I've seen in classes where that's perpetuated or the blame is then put on the girl or the woman in the class for not being confident or for not being secure in her answer when the reality should be, well, maybe you should realize like, what society is treating your male students and your women students and how obviously like it's going to affect how they respond in your classes no i definitely relate and it's it's you know and it it definitely is something that you need to be aware of as professors that women like we are kind of socialized to doubt ourselves and it's really unfortunate but that does kind of like affect our participation in class yeah i definitely agree and i think kind of along with that I took a like kind of a small smaller class last year and it was mostly women it was like a grant writing course you know kind of a lot to deal with nonprofits. and um there was only a couple guys in it and one of the days like they were they were both gone and so our professor who was a who's a woman she kind of was like I just kind of want to talk with all of you today about imposter syndrome and how that like affects women a lot differently and like she I forget like the exact statistic but it was something crazy like like 75% of women or something like that experience imposter syndrome and it's significantly less less so for men and like I think also you know you see statistics all the time about like how men are way more likely to apply for jobs that they're significantly less qualified for and like women are a lot more likely to like doubt themselves and kind of you know, look at like a job description and be like, oh, well, I don't fit all of those requirements, so I'm not going to apply. Whereas like men will look at that and they'll be like, oh yeah, like I'll, you know, yeah. I'll do that. I, I remember kind of like this past spring when I was applying for things in the summer and I had, I went up to my like uh, male professor and I was telling him all these things are saying they want like se- seniors or want like this specific, like whatever the requirement was, which I like fell short by like a year or some like something that I thought was like, I can't apply for this. I don't, he's like, no, yeah. like, apply to every single one of these things. Like you're qualified mm-hmm. and it's fine. And I was like, so shocked. It says like a junior should apply. Like why, why should I even like put my name in the ring? So yeah. Yeah. Also I'd, like, I'm glad that te- com- teacher had that conversation with all the women in your class, but I've realized more on like what I hope flow can adapt to is that these conversations are only helpful when men are listening to, because as yeah as happy as I am that like hopefully women will be able to listen to this and like able to relate and like hopefully we can like change how we behave and everything and how like men behave like there's a whole half of the population who's never gonna hear this conversation or isn't Mm -hmm. like isn't put in a room with these conversations or their way of life is easily like 
can avoid these conversations. So yeah, that's what I hope this podcast and hopefully like flow can become. Yeah, I totally agree though. And I think, and I think hopefully like if there are any like male listeners that you don't like interpret this kind of conversation is just like complaining about men. It's just kind of share our experiences, like help you guys see it from our perspective. Cause obviously I'm sure like it's, difficult if you've never sat down with friends who identifies as a female and had this conversation I think a lot of people shy away from that for like various reasons which we kind of like talk about towards the end too but um but yeah Yeah. I definitely agree another Um, thing that you said reminded me of being in classes where I knew I guess like in like a in a class where I felt like whenever I was called on, like, I needed to have the exact perfect answer. Like, I would literally write down what I would say to make sure I didn't say it wrong because the judgment in that class um, of the male professor was so strong. And in my perspective, like, white male students in that class were highly praised for the most basic, like, mediocre answers. So that was another, I think, side effect is that, like, I find myself over-preparing in some instances where I think that my credibility will be questioned yeah sorry ran a little tidbit I I think that that's super important and I think that you know it kind of I think it kind of stifles female students and probably professionals in a way because you feel like you do have to be over prepared and you have to have the exact right answer and Mm -hmm. that like it doesn't really encourage you to kind of like think outside the box I guess or like kind of put yourself at risk and like maybe ask a question or like say something that you might that might not be right. And even like for me, there's been a lot of times where I've doubted myself so much. Like I'll be sitting in class and like they'll ask a question and I will know the answer, but I'll be like, maybe that's not the right answer. And because sometimes yeah, classes create like an atmosphere where you feel so something wrong instead of being like, that wasn't the right answer, but you know, it's not a big deal. Just move yeah. on. Like, no, it's like no then, opportunity for failure, which then yeah. prevents you from ever learning a mistake that then will put you like further where like, if I see kind of a white male student making a mistake, there's oh it's okay or like here's the correct way to do it like there's a there's like a safety net whereas like women are like they have to say that they're wrong after they say their answer to validate that if they're wrong that they knew that they were wrong so it's great it's so crazy how much stress and anxiety that can add to class discussion yeah definitely and I think something we were kind of were talking about before this was also like how it really can like affect like kind of your credibility as well and I think something we've also talked about is like we want to have people on the podcast who are in like academia and like you know women in academia and kind of talk about some of their experiences with that but I I know like even talking to my female professors they you know they experience that a lot and there's also kind of that whole like phenomenon that I think kind of goes hand in hand with mansplaining of like a woman coming up with an idea and maybe mentioning it to one person or saying it a bit quietly or even saying it to everybody and then kind of being dismissed and then a male colleague rephrases it or or just takes the credit for it and then everyone's like wow that's a great idea you know and I think it just has you know these kind of issues have a big damaging effect on women's credibility like in their professional or academic lives no I 100% agree with that um I struggle with that a lot like giving myself credit for something I've done I'll just like attribute it to a group or like allow other people to take credit for something. Um, I need to work on that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And this kind of conversation is just, you know, reminding me of like the last 
presidential election and like when I was doing some reading like preparing for this episode people were kind of talking about how you know like there's this whole like phenomenon of you know like more like most more likely like men are going to be like the class clowns or like really outgoing person in class and I think that kind of ties back to our conversation about how like women just they do feel like they need to be so overprepared and like ready and so it doesn't like give you a lot of opportunities to kind of have your like your personality come out in like academic yeah. and professional settings and it it kind of then that kind of reminds me of like the 2016 election and I remember there was like a quote from Hillary Clinton that was you know I'm not my husband I'm not like this super like like because for people that don't know there's like this weird thing around Bill Clinton that he was just super charismatic and like could you know have a conversation with anybody and so she was like you know I'm not my husband I'm not like this you know super charismatic person but she's like I am like the most like prepared for the job and like I have like the most experience and it's just kind Mm -hmm. of like it's kind of like just weird what you know people value in yeah I I love this topic specifically about Hillary Clinton because I have this like personal theory about um male politicians where like they can go out into a rally where like some white uh, dress shirt, ruffle up the sleeves and immediately become relatable. Like you see with Barack yeah. Obama, you see with Beto O'Rourke, like mm-hmm. they have this, like they do nothing. All they do is wear a white shirt, ruffle up the sleeves and then like start holding hands and kissing babies. Yeah. And it's like immediately, oh my God, look how charismatic and how like in touch they are with voters. I'm like, all these men are in a tax bracket so far above everyone else that they are not relatable to you. And yeah. like, with Bill Clinton, like he's like, yes, he has he has like a different history, obviously growing up, but like where he is now, he is not relatable. Like he is just no. not on the same level. Like in the terms of, oh, I can I understand, I feel your pain. Like his famous quote, I feel your pain. Like yeah. I mean, maybe at one point you did, but currently right now, like you're living a life of privilege and you're not feeling this mm-hmm. poor man's pain who is like way below your tax bracket. Um but yeah, especially going back to Hillary Clinton and the idea of how calculating she was or how inhuman she was, like, imagine, like, all this, and she went through everything, like, we've gone through, even in a time period where yeah. it was even more intense for her to even grow or prosper, yeah, and definitely. where there wasn't a lot of female role models in the field she wanted to go into, so it, it makes me so upset when we t- people call her, like, cal- calculated, because, like, that's stress, that's anxiety of wanting to be perfect and uh it's yeah yeah it's kind of like the environment we're put in definitely and I think kind of one other um while we're like on the topic of like politicians one other thing I kind of wanted to talk about that again was like brought up by the stuff your mom didn't tell you podcast was which I thought was like super just upsetting so they talked about Ronald Reagan but Mm -hmm. they were talking about during this like he was in a presidential debate and like during that debate like or during that year was like the the republican party like removed the like the era amendment like the equal rights amendment from their like their um platform and basically like during a debate he was asked about that and he his quote that they gave was it would be it, it would be used by mischievous men to destroy discriminations that properly belong to women respecting the physical differences between the two sex and labor laws that protect them And I just thought that was, like, I don't know. I think that essentially, like, translates to just, like, oh, like, we know what's best for, like, women and, like, what you want. But, like, we're not, you know, inviting, like, a woman's voice into this. And, like, 
like I'll I'm just gonna tell you like what I know is best for you that is really interesting that they mentioned labor laws too because um I took a law class this past semester and there was like a part of the section that focused on labor and race and um it was like slavery, race, and the law, and essentially black women who, like in the 1910s, were married and, you know, stayed home, took care of the kids while their uh, husband went to work, were, I guess, violating vagrancy laws because they didn't have a job. And these women were like, police came to, came to their homes, black women, and arrested them, brought them down to the county jail or whatever, and um, would charge them, and then their husband would have to pay the fine. Um, but like the same law that said that any working or any at-home woman over the age of whatever had to be working and making this amount of money a week like no there's no hist there's no record of white women being questioned or police interrogating white women or taking them from their homes in the middle of the week so it's interesting when he talks about labor because he's protecting a specific type of woman within that thing so that just adds a whole nother thing tangent but like yeah this was happening and a lot of in Georgia counties um, that I read about in that class, which was absolutely insane. Yeah. So kind of now we want to talk about for I think a quick like defense for a lot of men, like when the topic of mansplaining gets brought up, is like, oh, should I just like not talk to women? And that's definitely not what we're saying. I think yeah. we kind of want to talk a little bit about like, you know, what is the actual difference between like mansplaining and an actual like conversation with the women? And I think we could also talk a little bit since we've been talking about our experiences as students, like what it would look like to have a better environment for like female students or like female professors even because you know I wouldn't be surprised if female professors have by their students so so definitely something that would be interesting to discuss in the future with some of our guests hopefully but yeah what do you have any thoughts on this right off the bat I mean yeah no kind of like going back to being in like a student in a class where a male professor will see you as like insecure like you need to work on these things like I think that's such a, it's like a failure of on the professor's part to see this as like an individual case. Mm-hmm. Um, and just at USC and in our classes, like the readings we're reading about, they're not about women. Like most of our professors mm-hmm. are men, um, or at least in my experience, like most of my professors I've had have been men. So yeah. it's like, it's a bigger Same. problem than like what you're going to accomplish talking to one student. So I think like, it's just like, I feel like the approach is just, that's where it goes wrong. And it's a failure to have a conversation about it because I also noticed like when we have this conversation, it's like, they see it as an attack and it's like, it's not, it's just like, Hey, mm-hmm. like you're mansplaining or you're exhibiting behavior. That's like misogynistic. This is how we can change that. This is like the path to have a better conversation. And like, I think a lot this kind of goes back to like the race conversation too happening right now um, is like when someone's called racist, they're just like, put on like defensive mode and don't mm-hmm. want to have a conversation. Yeah. It's like, the same thing with sexism. Like I, instead of it, I like, I hope kind of flow can be a way where it's like, Oh, this is like actually not okay behavior. But like, if you do this, this is how we can have a better conversation. So yeah. I don't know. I don't know how we figure out that specific language. And so people don't feel like defensive. Um, but I, I, I'm positive. I'm, you know, hopeful that like, I think we're moving closer to that place to have a conversation. Yeah. And I think a lot of, like when you read about mansplaining, like I think especially now, like uh, kind of like term that will come up a lot is like also white splaining, and yeah, I think definitely that is something that you know people need to be aware of too. And 
you know, like in times like this, it's important to be having like conversations, but I think like, you know, kind of the key difference between mansplaining and like what an actual conversation is, is that it's actually a conversation. And I think reading an article from, her name's Eleanor Beaton and she writes for the Atlantic and she was, she kind of gave a few like steps on how to make sure that you're not mansplaining. She kind of says, like kind of check yourself like why do you think you automatically know more than like the the woman that you're talking to are you interrupting them which I think is really key I think a lot of times like when you are mansplaining to like they just don't even like listen to what like your fully formed idea they just kind of you know interrupt you and um I like to check yourself like I think that's such an easy thing it's just like oh, does this person, this woman have like more expertise in this field? And I'm, am I, you know, helping in any way? Yeah. Or am I just like giving her kind of a preschool definition of something she already knows? Yeah. And it's like, and you know, if, especially if you're equals, like, I think a lot of times like in classes when this happens, it's like, if you're both students and you're in the same class, like she probably has the same understanding as you. Mm-hmm. Um, exactly. And then I think one of her other key things was like, are you like asking questions? I think a lot of times, in like when people talk about their experience with like monologues it's like or with mansplaining like they're the the man is just like monologuing like they're not yeah. giving a chance to have an actual conversation or back and forth or like this or your point of view they're just going on this long you know tangent that isn't constructive for either one of you um so yeah right. that was kind of a quick one but just some things to keep in mind and then kind of for any male listeners hopefully we have some how you can be more conscientious about this and one of our our members like compiled a fact sheet and she included this chart that was created by Kim Goodwin and it basically starts the question is like am I mansplaining um and it kind of takes you through like a flow chart of you know questions to ask yourself when you're having a conversation like kind of like Natalia just said like do you have more relevant experience if not you probably are mansplaining you know, did did she ask for you like, an explanation? Right. If not, you're probably mansplaining. So, it's kind of just a good thing to like keep in mind. I thought it was kind of funny when I was, you know, doing some research. Like, I saw like some offices even like had this chart like framed in like the workspace. I love that. Yeah. <laughs> Which I thought was kind of funny, and it's like I yeah. feel like this is even something that would be beneficial like to have in like to be more circulated in like academic environments. I've never yeah. heard of this from any of my professors or anything. So I think it'd be interesting. Put it on the syllabi, like. Yeah, yeah. It makes you think about like how USC and other like academic institutions could be doing better to like train their professors <laughs> to include these types of things. Yeah, we are definitely, hopefully we can post that soon so people can actually see yeah. it. Um, we'll find a way to post it. Yeah. Yeah, because it's like it's pretty like simple. It's not like a super complex chart. It's just you know quick things. You know, you could probably even if you looked at it, you could probably memorize it and just keep it in the back of your head for you know. Because I think you know most of the times I don't think that you know men go into these conversations with ill intent and they're not trying to like belittle women. It's just like like there's been a lot of research talking about how like there are different communication patterns between men and women just because they've been socialized different differently but so yeah, it's, it's, it's not personal. Con- yeah yeah you just need to be like the conscientious system. of it yeah we've exactly. been a patriarchal system and there's repercussions and so 
now we're at least at a time in history where we can like bring those up for discussion. Yeah, definitely. Okay, so then kind of the last thing we want to talk about is the actual term itself, mansplaining. I gave a definition of this earlier, but it's, I think I mentioned it, it's only been in like wide circulation for a couple of years. And a lot of people really don't like it, both men and women. I think a lot of men feel like it's just like a way to tell them to shut up and like to not engage in conversations. Um, I think a lot of women also don't like it just because they feel like it's over, like overused. And I think in general, like a lot of women might shy away from like terms like this that are, you know, used a lot in feminist discourse just because there's kind of that stigma. Negative associated. Yeah. 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 Which is frustrating too, because it's like, it's hard to have these conversations with people in your lives, especially because like, mm-hmm. this isn't, like the example I talked about earlier was obviously someone I didn't really know that closely, but like when it happens with someone who like you're pretty close with or someone you see pretty regularly, it's like, you don't want to bring it up or I don't know. It's like, you don't want to attach yourself to this image of like defining your, you don't want to bring your gender into what you're talking about. Cause then it's like, yeah, goes back against you. And it's, it's like a, it's a a, a really annoying cycle. Yeah, it is. And I think in general, like, a lot of a lot of times when you're having conversations about like feminism in general realize like how intrinsically linked like gender is with like a lot of different like systems right. and so especially like if you're talking to a man and you you know you're having a completely unrelated talk conversation about like international relations or something and then you know you say okay you're mansplaining to me they're gonna be like whoa where did like gender come into this yeah you know? exactly and it's like well gender is yeah. everywhere like it didn't just like come yeah. out like no one's forcing it like you just uh, yeah everywhere yeah yeah and I and I think it just kind of um it kind of feeds into that idea of like oh angry feminists and like oh we all God. hate men and it's like no it's not like it's just like holding like men accountable for their unconscious bias for their behaviors and their actions yeah. like the concept yeah. But it would be, like, you know, it would be nice if eventually we didn't need this term because if men would just be, like, conscientious of it and stop yeah. doing it, then women <laughs> wouldn't need to call them out and tell them not to do it anymore. But, uh, but yeah, I don't know. I think that was most of what I had. Do you have anything else that you wanted to No, I really this enjoyed this conversation. I think I got it all out. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, me too. This was very I feel better. <laughs> yeah, this is really nice. <laughs> yes yeah I definitely agree I think this um yeah recommendation for any women out there just <laughs> get all your get all create your a emotions. podcast complain yeah. about <laughs> complain about these things <laughs> but yeah and for male listeners please listen because these these conversations are important for you to be a part of like Natalia mentioned and to understand you know you know our perspectives and you know the bigger implications these can have um but yeah if i think that's it thank Mm -hmm. you for hopefully listening if you wanted to learn more about flow you can follow our instagram at usc flow and please subscribe to this podcast we're gonna have a lot more episodes um and a lot of other different topics and hopefully pretty soon have some guests from you know academia and other um organizations so yeah we're looking forward to it awesome thank you jamie Yeah, thank you.
Here on Go With The Flow, we recognize we can't speak to all experiences. If you want to contribute to our conversation, there's two ways you can do that. Number one, we are accepting applications for general body members, and you can find that link in our Instagram bio. Number two, I want to interact with our listeners and share your experiences and thoughts on the issues we discuss here. So keep an eye on our Instagram at USC Flow for more information on that. Thanks for listening, everyone, and check the caption for sources and more information.